Guys, you grab a seat real quick for me. How we doing? Good. Hey, my name's Nick. Um, so, so grateful to be here. I've never had such a long introduction in my life, um, ever. Uh, but I'm so, so grateful for, for Pastor Gary and Kimberly. These guys are amazing. Uh, if they're your pastors, I hope you know how great of a pastors, uh, pastors you have. Um, uh, me and my wife, we moved here, um, gosh, I guess it would be three years ago this summer, planted church, and... Uh, Church plan is lonely, I'll tell you that, right? And uh, I met Gary, and I, I sent him a text one day. I said, hey, I just need friends. Like, I'm a, I don't have any friends. Can you be my friend? And uh, let me tell you, I sent that text, and that's a scary text to send, right? Because if you don't get a response, you still got no friends. And um, uh, I was so, uh, I mean, I've heard from this man every Sunday morning, saying, I'm praying for you, praying for your church. I hear from him most Sunday nights, how'd it go for you guys, been praying for you all week, um, and, and that's, he's a pastor of pastors, isn't he? He's, he's a good man, and um, it's an honor for me to be here. My wife uh, sends her regards. She wishes she was here. She's in Northern Ireland and uh, getting rained on, so um, we're good. Gary, can I trade you microphones? Would that be okay? He made fun of me taking the big mic all service. There we go. There we go. Oh, there we go. Sounds like a church plant now. I'm comfortable. Um, hey, uh, I, I uh, just during worship, I, I had a word prepared for you, and uh, sure enough, just during worship, I just felt like the Lord kind of redirected my steps a little bit, and uh, I, I don't know how often that happens around here. Um, our guys will tell you it happens to me all the time. Uh, <laughs> but for the guys in the booth, I, I, I'm going to give you some different scriptures, but if you guys got a Bible, go ahead and open up your Bible. Um, we're going to go to Matthew chapter 3, and uh, kind of what I want to do with you here, this, just for a little bit, um, I want to tell you some stories uh, from our church, from our life. I want to tell you some, some stuff from Scripture, and then I want to pray for us and, and minister. And um, anytime we come into an environment like this where we've never been, um, we, we have expectation. How many of you guys have an expectation in here tonight? Uh, it, I walk into places like this, and, 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 and we... We, we, we come in with expectation, and, and I think sometimes our expectation is actually hoping to be surprised. Uh, hear me out here. Uh, when, when you live under the banner of Jesus, when you've been filled with his presence, when you begin to walk in his ways, uh, we shouldn't be surprised when we hear his voice. We shouldn't be surprised when we experience healing. We shouldn't be surprised uh, when the kingdom breaks out all around us. Um, so when I ask you if you're expectant tonight, I'm not asking if you're hoping to be surprised. I'm asking if you're like really having a kingdom expectation in your heart tonight that, that, the, that the, 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 the historical Jesus will visit you here and now by the power of his Holy Spirit. Um, be, because I believe that's what's available for us. And if that's what's available, why would we settle for anything less than all that Jesus made available? Um, so I, I want to tell you a few stories. I want to look at, look at Jesus' baptism because it's a... It's a mess if you really look at it. Uh, and then I want to pray for, pray for some folks. Does that sound okay? Cool. So we, we, we're, we're, what, two years into a church plant? We just celebrated our, our two-year birthday. I got some guys with me. My friend Caesar here on the end. We got Joey Park and Tim Little. They're babysitting me while my wife's gone. Um, they're they're going to report back and make sure I was nice to you. So if you, you don't like what I have to say, let them know. Don't tell me. Tell them. Uh, but uh, we, we, we're, 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 we're just two years into our church plant. Um, we we, we kind of have this emphasis in our church where if it doesn't lead us towards the lost or the lost towards Jesus, we just don't do it. Um, our, 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 we, 
we wish we had a women's ministry. We don't have a women's ministry because we can't figure out how to do a women's ministry that leads us towards the lost or the lost towards Jesus, so we don't do one. Um, we just have this value that it, uh, I know we, we're losing women left, right, and center. We should probably figure that out. Um, but, but we just long to be a church that actually is positioned in the very place that Jesus is. I, I think so much of the church, we come to gatherings like this looking for Jesus, and Jesus is actually out in the city with the people. And uh, so we've longed to be a church that just has our hearts pointed outwards and, 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 and reaching into all areas of the community. So the way we launched our church actually wasn't with a gathering. Um, we launched our church in, in the middle of Balboa Park on a Saturday morning at 10 a.m. Um, how many of you know that's a weird time to start a church? Um, but we weren't starting the church. We decided to step out and be the church. And what we did is uh, we, we gathered in Balboa Park, and we took these four white Ikea chairs, and we put them out in the park, and then we grabbed this big sign that said healing. And, uh, and we just invited people to sit down. Here, here's, here's where I'm not the most strategic. I, I didn't go and scout the location beforehand. I just showed up that first Sunday morning, and we, we, we set up in the middle of El Prado between the two fountains, and uh, we're, we're excited, right? And we, we get there a little early, 10 a.m. start, team's coming, we're prayed up, we're ready to go. And around the corner comes this guy pulling a tent, he's got chairs, he's got everything, and he just stops and he looks at me and he goes, you're my spot. <laughs> I said, I'm so sorry, I, I didn't know, we're happy to move. And then he comes and he like inspects our sign and he just starts shaking his head and starts laughing at us. And, and, and I'm going, sir, we're happy to move, we'll move down the way, there's a lot of sidewalk here, we're happy to move. And he goes, he goes no, no, you stay there, I'm going to set up right across from you. So from, uh, probably from me to Gary's where they set up, and they put up their tent, and they put up their flyers, and they put out their books, and then they hang this sign that says, begin a personal relationship with reason. And then they put up another sign that says, relax, hell doesn't exist. And what we found out is we actually set up in the middle of the atheist outreach tent. And, and here we are. This is our introduction to the city. Commonwealth is here. And yeah, you think so, but man, it was terrifying. Here's the deal. These guys had been there every Saturday for eight hours for 20 years. Hey, Amen. They're dedicated to some, some of the believers I know, right? And they, they set up and, and they, they do their thing. And we set up and, and I make a deal with the Lord because I, I don't want to do this. Like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to be the weird church praying for people in the park. I want the cool gatherings like you guys. And uh, I, uh, I made the deal with the Lord. If no one sits in the chair, we don't have to come back next week. That was the deal, Lord. If no one sits in the chair, I'm not, I'm not coming back next week, right? And, and the atheists, they get a little aggressive, right? Uh, they, they, they end up kind of taking and nudging closer and closer and closer and closer to us. And by the by, they know we're like pushed up against the grass and just like sheepishly asking people if they want to get prayed for. And I'm looking at the clock going, man, it is, time is almost up. We're going to be out there for two hours. Lord, if you don't put somebody in that chair, we're not coming back ever again. That's it. And, and sure enough, man, it is, it is uh, 11.55. <laughs> this little old lady comes wobbling down. She's got a, a walking stick, and she looks at their tent, and she kind of gives them a dirty look, and she looks at our thing, and she kind of shrugs her shoulders. She sits in the chair. Um, our team kneels around her, um, and... and, and uh, we, we ask everybody, like, you, you want to pray? Because we, we're not about just praying and, and running off. We want to know what we're actually praying for. So we just say, hey, if Jesus could do one thing in your life today, what would you have him do? It's a great question to ask yourself even. If Jesus could do one thing tonight, what would you have him do? And uh, she, she just says, hey, I have a degenerate hip uh, problem in both hips. And I need hip replacements, but I don't have the insurance covered for it. My Medicare da, 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 won't, isn't ready yet. And so I'm just in eight out of ten pain every day of my life. And I'm walking with these canes. 
And uh, I said, well, we'd love to pray for you. And she goes, honey, I don't think prayer works, but I just wanted to make those guys mad. <laughs> so, so we kneel next to her and we begin to pray. And, and, and we pray once. And, and anytime we pray for somebody for healing, we have them try it out. Because sometimes people don't even know they're healed until they've checked it. So we, we, we have her check to see if she's healed. And she stands up and she goes, you know what? I'm like a four out of eight. I was, I was an eight. Now I'm a four out of 10 pain. And we're like, okay, that's good. Sit back in the chair. She sits in the chair. Um, we pray for her, both hips. She gets up out of the chair and she goes, I have zero pain. And she begins to stretch her hips. She starts to squat. Completely healed, right? The best part of the story is she walks over to the atheist, hands her cane and walks off. It's like the best mic drop moment ever. We, we, we never saw her again. Um, she might have been an angel. I don't know, but we'll take it. Um, and so we've been in the park every, every week since then. We, we now go out on Thursday nights, and um, uh, we, we, we set up every week. And we, we just want to be a church that's out there doing something. And, and we, the atheist, finally, there's this guy named Rob. He's the, he's the head atheist. He's like, the, he's like Gary, but for the atheist, right? So he's... Uh, he's the atheist to atheists, and he's the man. And uh, he, he shows up uh, one day, and uh, his team didn't show up. So I, I'm sitting there looking. I'm struggling to get all the stuff up. And I, I'm sitting there looking at our guys. And I just said, I'm going to go help Gary set, or I'm going to go help uh, Rob set him. It's not Gary. Gary's not an atheist. I can vouch for that. The man has prayed for me. <laughs> Something happened. We're good. Uh, I'm like, I'm going to go help Rob out. I'm going to go help Rob out. So I'm helping this atheist set up his atheist outreach tent, right? And then I'm sitting there thinking, man, I hope, Jesus, you would do this. I'm hoping. Um, and if not, please forgive me. And uh, the, I help Rob set up. And the whole time he's like mumbling to himself, like, I can't believe what you're doing right now. The new, this should be on the news. <laughs> he's like just talking. And um, what Rob, Rob at the end of it goes, hey, I think you guys are absolutely crazy. I think everybody that sits in those chairs and gets up and says they're healed are absolutely crazy. He goes, but I've never met believers that will do something about what they say they believe. I've never met a Christian that will do something about what they say they believe. And uh, for us, that was it. And since then, we've just been hooked. We've just been hooked on doing it. And our, our whole deal isn't, we love gathered environments. I love the environments like tonight where, where Jimmy just leads us in incredible worship. And, and there, there's this moment where the room begins to shift and you can sense the presence of God. And something happens in your heart and something happens in the room and you just go, oh, something's going on and Jesus is in here, right? And I love gathered environments, but, but what I, I think the church should be, we, we gather to scatter, don't we? Um, and, and I, I want to look at Jesus's ministry here just for a moment in scripture, because um, I, I believe that God's getting ready to do, a, to do a significant move in Southern California. I think we're headed for a move of God in, in California, similar to the Jesus people movement, similar to the Zusa street, similar to all these things. And, and uh, uh, we, we don't have to hype it up. Only he can come down. You don't have to hype up the Holy spirit, right? That's the beautiful thing. Um, only he can come down and, uh, but I, I believe the next move of God's not in the church, but it's of the church. It's taking you and your everyday, everywhere for everyone, releasing his kingdom. And, and the only way we actually are able to do that is when we begin to know who we are. So let's look at Jesus and see how he found out who he was. Are we okay? Yeah. Gary, is this okay? Yeah. It'd be really embarrassing if it wasn't. <laughs> I won't ask again just in case you change your mind. Uh, we're going to Matthew 3, uh, verse 13. I'm reading from the NIV. And, uh, yeah, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Here, here's the deal. Um, 
before we do that. Deuteronomy 29, 29 says, the secret things belong to the Lord of God, but the things revealed belong to the people for generations. So every story we tell tonight is a revelation of his character. Every story we tell tonight is a revelation of his character. And every story that we tell tonight is a revelation of something that he's done. And when there's revelation, that means it now belongs to us. So every story I tell you tonight, you now have authority to go carry that story out. Every story we tell you is now yours. Like This is why testimony is important. This is why showing up and telling about the works of God are important. Because it makes it available for everybody else. If God will do it for you, he'll do it for me. If he's going to do it with Caesar, he's going to do it for me. If he's going to do it with Gary, he's going to do it for you. God doesn't play favorites, right? And, and, and so every story we tell, every story we see in scripture, every story we tell tonight, there should be a deposit that happens in your heart that makes it available for you. Are you with me? Does that make sense? Cool. Um, can I tell one more story before I dive into the word of God? Is that okay? I hope I, I'm just going to tell stories. I, I won't, I won't. I'll, make, I'll make it a legal meeting. I'll open the Bible, I promise. We'll get there. Um, hey, uh, uh, we, we, we long to be people that when we walk into a room, we know that, that the odds change. Like you walk in the room, the odds change. And so we, we've got a medical professionals group in our church. We've, God just keeps bringing us doctors and nurses and physical therapists and dentists and whatever. And, and our whole deal is training them in who they are and what they carry. Knowing who you are and knowing what you carry, that, that everywhere they go, the atmosphere of the kingdom goes with them. Man, it's really helpful having Jimmy on the keyboard, but what do you do when you walk in into a, 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 the oncology ward at Rady Children's Hospital and Jimmy ain't with you? And, and, and it's our job as believers to begin to position our heart rooted in our identity, knowing who we are and what we carry, so that when we walk into the room, the odds change. Um, so, so we got this medical professional group. This is Caesar. Caesar, stand up for me real quick. Um, when I met Caesar, he didn't talk. Um, you can sit down, Caesar. Caesar's a, Caesar's a nurse. I know, I know he looks like maybe he'd do something else, but he's a nurse. Um, Caesar's a, he's a wound care nurse in a facility in East County. And uh, the way these facilities work, it's, it's a facility where you're, you're, you're too sick to go home, but you've been in the hospital too long, so they're trying to get you out of the, out of the facility, trying to figure out what to do with you. Um, so he, he's, uh, he, he's in this facility, and, and the facility's starting to lose funding because their wound care score is really low. And the way it works is they got certain scores they got to hit for, the, for them to get certain funding from the state, right? And, and Caesar, we, 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 we've been with Caesar for six, seven, eight years now. And Caesar, Caesar's my hero. Caesar knows every environment he goes into, people are going to meet Jesus. And sometimes he doesn't even have to open his mouth. And he knows that they're going to encounter God. And uh, Caesar, uh, the, this facility he's in, is, is, is starting to figure out, like, man, we got we got to shore up our losses in wound care. So they, what they do is they start uh, looking at all their data. The administrator looks at all the data, and they're like, hey, every patient that Caesar treats gets better faster. We should move Caesar over wound care. And they're just looking at data. They don't know that every time Caesar walks in a room, he's praying for the patient. Every time that he lays hands on them to take their temperature, that he's praying in his heart and releasing God's favor and goodness over them. They don't know that, but they're just looking at the data, which is fun to have, right? And so, so they move them over wound care, and sure enough, wounds start healing. Boom. Boom, boom, faster and faster. Chronic wounds healing faster and faster. Um, Caesar gets this one patient where the doctor sits him down on a Thursday and says, Caesar, I want you to start preparing this man. We're going to amputate his foot um, uh, uh, next week. I want you to start preparing him for amputation. And Caesar goes, hey, give me 30 days. And the doctor goes, hey, these are 10-year chronic wounds. 10 days ain't going to make a difference. 
And Caesar goes, if it ain't going to make a difference, give me 10 days. Because Caesar knows who he is. He knows who he belongs to. And he knows the authority that he carries. Right? I think I got pictures. Hey, real quick, don't put it up. Don't put it up. I'm going to show you pictures of this guy's foot. And if you, if you get grossed out, don't look. Um, but th- this is the guy's foot day, day one. Day one. I can't look. So that's day one. This is what, this is what Caesar started with. So Caesar, you can take it down. Uh, Caesar goes in and he just, oh, that's day 15. Yeah, that's day 15. Uh, so Caesar just goes in there and we can, we can look at that one a little longer, can't we? Uh, he goes in there and he, and he changes the bandage and he prays over the foot and he cleans the wound and he just has his hand on, on the, on, and praying for the guy every time he does it. These are chronic wounds that aren't supposed to get better and they're supposed to take the foot off. Day 30. Yep. Day, day 35, he, he is discharged, going home, walking on his foot for the first time in 10 years. That's the kingdom of God breaking in. See, see, Caesar's like Olaf. Anybody seen this movie Frozen? Let it go, right? You've seen Frozen? Some of your parents are like, too many times we've seen Frozen. What's Olaf's problem? He's a snowman, man. He melts in the summer, right? And what happens to Olaf at the end of the movie? He's got his own personal atmosphere. Everywhere he goes, he carries the climate of winter where he goes. And this is what happens to Caesar. Everywhere he goes, he clears the climate of heaven. Every room and environment he walks into, the odds change when he walks in. And, and so let's look at Jesus' baptism, because if you don't look at Jesus' baptism, Jesus' ministry doesn't make sense. If you don't, if you don't start at Jesus' baptism, his ministry doesn't make sense. Matthew three thirteen. Then Jesus came to Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized you, by you, and do you come to me? That's, that's the spirit of religion, isn't it? Verse 15, Jesus replied, let it be so now. It's proper for us to do so, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as, the he- as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened. At that moment, heaven was opened. And guys, this has got to be one of the most incredible moments in all of history. Because what's about to happen, people hear and people see. Jesus is down in the water getting baptized by John the Baptist, who, who, to be honest, if he walked in the church, we put him in the back row or, or send him out on the street with the, with the sack lunch, right? He smelled messy hair, ate locusts and honey, like he was a mess. He's the messenger of God preparing the way for Jesus, and Jesus is in there baptizing him in the Jordan. And this moment right now that we're about to read has got to be the greatest moment in history until the crucifixion and the resurrection. It says, at that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending on him like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I'm loving, with whom I am well pleased. This is my son who I love, and with him I am well pleased. According to the Gospels, Jesus hasn't really done any ministry yet. The Father's speaking over the Son. It's, I'm, I'm pleased with you. I love you. I, you're my beloved. I take great joy and delight in you. You haven't done a thing yet, and I love you. And Jesus' starting place for ministry isn't being qualified. It's being loved. It's being blessed by the Father. The place that he starts is the Father saying, you are my son. I am so proud of you. You haven't done a thing yet. Look, I'm not a father yet. I will be in two weeks. Pray for us. Two boys. Two and a half. Fifteen months. Pray. Just pray for us all the time. We're we're looking to hire a full-time intercessor just for us. And... 
I'm, I'm not a father yet, but I, I can imagine that for, for the parents in the room. You, I, I can imagine the moment you, you, you sit there and you look at your little kid and they haven't done anything of worth and added value to the world at all, except in your heart. And you just look at them and go, oh, I love them. And this is, this, is, this is how the father looks at Jesus. He says, you haven't done anything and I love you. You haven't done anything and I love you. And people hear it. It's public affirmation. Like how else would it make it in the book? People hear it and it's public affirmation. And, and, and Jesus has this moment where, where he comes out of the water, the spirit of God descends on him like a, a dove and the, the, the father says, I love you. And do you know Jesus is our model for what humanity looks like? Jesus is the blueprint for the human life. Do you know that? That what, what we see Jesus live in the book is the blueprint for your human life to live? The miracles are yours. The works are yours. The words are yours. His ways are yours. But also the affirmation of the Father is yours. That he looks on you and says, daughter, I love you. I don't care if you, you messed up your math test. I love you. I don't care if you just got fired. I don't care if you can't find a job. I love you. The baptism moment's incredible. But what happens next is just messed up. Go with me. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. What? Hey, don't, don't let that not be shocking. Like, don't let that not, like, mess you up a, just a little bit. Jesus is, is baptized. The Father speaks over him. He loves him. They, the Holy Spirit falls on him. It's like a great moment. And then that same Spirit that fell on him, that gave him the revelation of the Father's love, is saying, hey, come with me to the desert. We're about to test you, son. You're about to be tempted. You wonder when Jesus talks about, Father, deliver us. In, in the Lord's Prayer, two chapters over, I wonder why. But, but, but the, the Spirit leads Jesus into the desert to be tested. And, and, and I just want to look at the temptations of Christ here. Um, but let, let's keep reading. We okay? Yeah. Verse 2, after fasting for 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. So was I. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Tell these stones to become bread. This is the first temptation, right? Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. You see, the, the, the first way the enemy always comes to tempt you is your identity. See, Jesus just gets secured in his identity by the father. You're my son. I love you. You haven't done anything yet, and I'm proud of you. I take joy in you. I take delight in you. You're mine. Like he's feeling pretty good about himself, right? I would. You should. And the very first thing the enemy comes after is his identity. He says, if you really are who you say you are. I don't know about you. Maybe some of you can relate to that. If you really are the son of God. Tell these stones to become bread. If you really are the bread of life. If you really are. And the temptations is around his identity because the enemy knows if he can take out his identity, he can take all, out of, all of his kingdom works out. See, the enemy's not primarily interested in your ministry. The enemy's not even interested in your marriage. He'll get there if he can. But he wants to take out your identity as the beloved son or the beloved daughter. He wants to like mess up the goodness of God over your life that you can't see that the Father loves you before you do anything. Before you feel like you've earned your worth and before you've earned your keep. The enemy wants to just come and cut across your identity. 
and completely uproot that from you. Because if he can do that, it's all shot. What's he do next? Are we okay? Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command the angels concerning you and they will lift you up their hands so that it will not strike your, your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered, and it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to a test. The second temptation is the temptation to perform. Hey, if you really are the son of God, if you really are secure in your identity, come on, do the thing. Do the thing, pastor. Do the thing, Christian. If you really are who you are, you perform. And in the performance, you just begin to put on this mask. And you begin to perform. You begin to act. And, and the enemy goes, hey, if I can't get your identity, I'm going to get you at your sense of worth and, and make you think that you are doing it. I'm going to make you perform. We'll keep going, then we'll pray. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain. I'm scared of heights. And showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he says this, all this I will give to you if you will bow down and worship me. And then Jesus said, away from me, Satan, for it says, written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil left him and the angels came and attended him. That third temptation, and this is the temptation most of us fall into, is we fail to recognize what's already ours. <laughs> Jesus' Father is the Almighty Father, Amen. the creator of heavens and earth. And what Satan does is he takes him up on a high mountain and he shows him the earth and he says, hey, all this kingdom, all this power, this can be yours. And Jesus baptized by the Father, spoken over by the Father, knows that that's his Father's. It's not the enemy's to give. And what the enemy's trying to do, he's trying to get him to fail to recognize what's already his. That he's a son in his Father's house, so he'll inherit that land. And, and this is what the enemy does with us. Is, 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 is he tries to get us to fail to recognize that it's already ours. That the love, the affirmation of the Father is already ours. That the kingdom power is already ours. That the prophetic voice is already ours. Because you're fully son, fully a daughter. And, and, and Jesus like comes against the, the, the enemy. Yes, with scripture, but so does the enemy come at him with scripture, doesn't he? The enemy's been at it for a long time. He knows the Bible better than you. It's not good, right? No, somebody amen that. Let's not amen that. Do the angry amen at least, Ugh, right? Yeah. But as believers, we got nothing to prove. We've got absolutely nothing to prove. And, and what the enemy wants to do with you is he wants to try to remove the affection of the Father so you lose your identity, so that you'll perform and you, you'll, you'll fail to see the inheritance that he's already given you. And uh, I wanted to talk to you about something that was a little more exciting, but what, during worship, I just felt like the father said, tell them about their identity. Remind them that they have a good, good father for, for the worship leaders in the room, right? And, and here, here's the deal. If you don't start from that place, everything's going to be earning. Everything's going to be striving. You're going to start creating, and what you create, you have to sustain, but what he creates, he sustains, 
What happens when you're not rooted in the identity that the Father loves you and that you're his beloved child? You, you don't follow favor, you chase favor. When you're not rooted in the love of the Father, you don't see yourself through the lens of his favor. You begin to compare favor on somebody else. And the word for you tonight is the Father loves you. You want a prophetic word tonight? The prophetic word is Jesus loves you. And if that doesn't rock you at your core, I don't know what will. You know? He loves you. And he looks on you tonight. He says, you're my beloved daughter. I don't care what you've done. I don't care where you're at right now. I know where you're going, and I love you. And that's the place we have to start tonight. That's my word for you tonight. Is, is, is man, that what Jesus received at his baptism, I hope you receive in this moment. I'm a big John Wesley fan. Um, any any uh, Methodist in the room? None that want to admit it. Uh, John, John Wesley is a, he was a missionary in America in, in, in Great Britain, 1700s, and he, he founded and kind of started the Methodist movement with his brother Charles. He's a preacher. Charles was a, was a worship leader, and uh, John, John, John would travel the world sharing the gospel, right? And he, he was in America, it's, uh, I think it's 19, uh, or 1754, he's in America, and he's uh, coming home. He gets called to come home to Great Britain, to London, and uh, he's on a boat going home because they didn't have JetBlue yet. And he, he's on this big ship. And you got to think, don't think cruise liner, think wooden boat. Not doing it, right? Nobody's doing that. Starve India in the harbor. That would be like an upgrade, right? He's on a boat coming, coming from the East Coast over to, over to England. And the, three months into the journey, uh, three months into the journey home, uh, yeah, right? They didn't have Netflix. And the boat hits this crazy storm. And uh, John is in the corner uh, thinking he's going to die. And he's terrified. And he's crying. And he looks over in the corner, and there's these, these German missionaries that are singing and praising and happy. And, and he doesn't go join them. He gets angry at them. And uh, if, like, they're seasick, right? Let's not romanticize it. There's vomit everywhere, right? Like, boats rocking back and forth. They're, they're all preparing to die. They're throwing stuff overboard. If you read his journals, it sounds like just horrific. Kind of a couple days later, the, the, the boat comes into a calm sea. And John walks over to the, the head of the German missionary and says, Hey, why were you not afraid to die? And the German missionary, in, in my head, he, he puts his arm around his shoulder and says, Ah, oh, John, has the Spirit of God not testified yet to your spirit that you're a son? We're not afraid to die because we're sons and daughters. And John goes home, and, and it wrecks him for weeks. And he finds himself on Fetter Street Lane, Fetter Lane in, in London, and, and he's been begging the Lord, Spirit of God, testify to my spirit that I'm a son. Spirit of God, testify to my spirit that I'm a son. Spirit of God, testify to my spirit that I'm a son. And he has this moment where, where the Spirit of God falls, and, and everything changes for John Wesley. And I think that's what might happen to some of us tonight is that, that, that more than getting a word from a stage, the Spirit of God's going to testify that you're spirit, that you're a son or a daughter. And I, I don't know how you guys knew, normally do ministry here, but if, I'm, if it's okay, I'll just lead my way. Is that okay? Why don't we do this? Why don't you put your stuff down?
um, if you got stuff, and then stand up. Maybe shake it out. You're looking a little religious. I'm going to drink to a good ministry time here for a second. You okay? See, see, some nights we just go yell at people. But tonight, I just felt like the Father wants to be gentle. Just wants to be gentle with you. I think he's leading some of you by still waters. And he wants to speak identity. He wants to speak life. He wants to release your destiny. He wants to bring healing. He wants to bring healing from heart. He wants to bind up broken hearts. Here's the deal. He, he can bind up your broken heart. But until you allow the Holy Spirit to testify that you're a son or a daughter, that heart's just going to need binding over and over and over and over again. So why don't you do this? Why don't you put your hands out in front, just like this, just like you want to receive a gift. Just close your eyes. And uh, we can't hype him up. Only he can come down. And maybe just close your eyes just to get alone with the Lord. There's nothing magical in that. There's nothing magical about posture. But, but I love it when Jimmy told us to clap during worship and put our hands up because my, my heart and mind follow posture. So right now with your hands out in front of you, you're just saying, Lord, I surrender. I surrender. But also I receive. Also I receive. So just with your eyes closed, I'm gonna ask you not even to pray for yourself, but I'm just gonna ask the Holy Spirit to come and begin to testify to your spirit that you're a son, that you're a daughter. Um, And my expectation in this moment is, is that he will. And your experience will never surpass what your expectation is. So Holy Spirit, we invite you right now, right across the room. We honor you. We worship you. We say yes to you. Just come. Pour out your power. Pour out your presence. Pour out your peace. And right now, Holy Spirit, just come. Just receive. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Just increase, Holy Spirit. We honor you. We say yes to you. And Father, would you, uh, would you speak to us that we would know that you were your sons and daughters? Would you speak to us so that we would know? Would you speak to us so that we would know? Just come. Thank you. We're just going to linger in silence just for a moment. Thank you, God. Just come. Thank you. Thank you. Would you visit us in a greater measure? Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you.